Hello, and welcome to I Have a Few Questions About Being a Grown-Up. I'm Annie Middlemist. And I'm Patrice Ciccarelli. We're two coaches helping new adults who are trying to navigate their path. We tackle your questions and offer solutions while building your emotional intelligence along the way. We're here to help. Let's get started. All right, Patrice, it's your turn. Yikes. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) As we said on several of our episodes, we met in our early 20s. And so we didn't know each other when we were in kindergarten. Tell me about yourself in kindergarten. What were you like and what did you want to be? I was um, definitely outgoing. It's funny because when I think back about what I wanted to be at that age, I wanted to be a nun. We were Catholic. (laughs) And so funny story, before my mom was married, she actually went into the convent and she spent, I think, two years going through the process to become a nun in the Catholic church. And the only reason she didn't take her final vows was because she had asthma and they couldn't take care of her. (laughs) And they asked her, they basically told her that she can't stay because, you know, she was, (laughs) she was going to be a drain on their health uh, insurance or something. And so they sent her on her way and she was really disappointed because that was what she planned to be. That is crazy. I know, right? Because she came from, you know, Midwest, Ohio, um, very Catholic family. And she was all in. That was like her thing. And even growing up, we were, you know, raised pretty Catholic. So I think because she talked about it so much, it was one of those things that was in my head. Well, that's what my mom wanted to do. So I guess that would be cool. I guess I could do that. And I always wanted to be a little different than everybody else. And that was different. Nobody else was talking about being in (laughs) Uh, but that is not what happened. <laughs> so, so what happened? When did you change? When did you? Yeah. So I went from high school to a community college before I went to a four-year college. And I was really young in high school. I graduated. Um, I had just turned 17 in January and graduated in May. So I was really young when I graduated. And so my parents knew I probably wasn't ready to go off to school. So they recommended like go to a community college, get started there. I always say that that was my year that I held myself back that because there was always like this, should we hold her back in seventh grade because she's really immature and younger than everybody else And I would have been destroyed. Like you should have done it in kindergarten if you wanted to hold me back. Don't hold me back in seventh grade. And so I convinced them not to. But then the year that in between, I had one year at a community college and in between high school and when I went away to a four-year college, that was the year I held myself back. But that was also the year that I took my first economics class. And I love the topic of economics. I just, it was one of those classes. I'm like, gosh, this is so interesting. And it just clicked with me. And that as soon as I was done with that class, I knew that that was going to be what I was going to study in school. So how, okay. Is there any connection between, do you think you just want to be a nun because of your mom? Like, is what, is there anything similar between being a nun and being an economist? Well, I think the nun 
thing was, I think it had a lot to do with my mom and maybe her okay. encouraging me to do okay. it. Yeah. Um, but also I tend to be a person of service. Like I like to serve. I like to volunteer. Yeah. I like to help people. And so there might've been some of that connection because my mom was also that way. My mom ended up being a school teacher. She was a reading specialist and, and also was a like amateur public speaker. Anytime that anybody needed a public speaker at the church or she would run her own retreats. She was always the one who was up there speaking. So um, she had a, so I was a lot like her in that way that, you know, I liked kind of having a voice and helping people through speaking to them. So I think going back, that's probably a little bit of what that was. But once I realized that like, there's no getting married, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you have to live in the convent. I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. A couple drawbacks. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up uh, after um, after the community college, I ended up at Cal State Long Beach because I, I realized even though I held myself back for that year, I realized that I needed to be at a four-year school. I wanted to be away at school. I was ready to go. So as soon as I picked that economics degree, I started applying to schools and headed off to Cal State Long Beach the next year. And I studied economics and, um, and I lived in the dorms. And the second semester, I lived in a dorm called the International House. And it was a brand new dorm at the time. And every American student got an international student. And so they were very mm. excited about the American students potentially studying abroad. And so that's when I was introduced to the idea of studying abroad. And I thought, well, shoot, if I'm going to do this, I might as well go somewhere and learn a language. Like I couldn't, you know, say, Hey mom, can I go to Australia for a year? (laughs) Hey dad, will you pay for me to go to England? Like, you know, I would study there, but it, was, it wasn't going to be as challenging if I didn't go to try and learn a language. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not good at learning languages. That is not my skill. But I didn't know that until I got there. <laughs> my brother, he can, he can pick up a language and like become competent in it almost immediately. But I don't have that same talent. So it was definitely a learning experience um, going there. But I'll tell you an interesting part of the story. When I decided to go study abroad, I went to my economics advisor and said, hey, I'm going to go study in Spain next year. Are there any economics classes I should take in order to, you know, add to my economics degree? And he said, well, you know, if you want to go to Spain for the year, you might as well just switch to a Spanish major and you know, just forget about the economics degree. And I was like, why? And he goes, well, you know, it seems like you're excited about that. And I was, you know, kind of taken aback. And I'm like, what is he talking about? Like, I love economics. This is what I want to do. He's like, well, you know, there's really nothing you can study over there. So um, you might as well just switch to Spanish major. (laughs) So weird. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hell no, I am not doing that. So I went home and I was like, can you believe this? This guy wants me to drop my economics degree and pick up a Spanish degree. 
So what I did was I ended up going for a double major because I got so many units while I was in Spain uh, to pick up a Spanish degree. And I was not going to give up my economics degree because I thought I was going to be an economist. I had no idea what an economist did, but that's what I was going to (laughs) be. I had decided. And so at that point, I just said, um, I'm going to get two degrees. I'll stop studying economics while I'm in Spain and pick it back up when I get back. And that's what I did. That's amazing. Yeah, he really made me mad. It's like, you cannot tell me to drop my economics degree. I will do the exact opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. Advising in the 80s was not really. Yeah. Um, he didn't think I was the right fit for the economics degree. And I'll admit, like, I was one of the only girls in there. Um, one of the only Americans in there, which was all fine. I learned a lot. You know, I didn't look like everybody else there. I kind of liked that about it. Like that I was jerk. Sure. You know, kind of like with the nun thing. I was like doing something that not a lot of girls were doing at the time. Yeah, exactly. So we go from there to when our relationship started, <laughs> the Queen <Yes>. Mary. <laughs> so the reason why I applied at the Queen Mary was I got out of, I finished school or I was just about to finish. I was in my last semester and I realized like, shoot, I got to figure out how to become an economist. <laughs> And so I started looking for a job at a bank or, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but nobody was hiring. Like there was no jobs. um, Nobody was hiring young economists at the time. (laughs) I don't even think I was looking in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being in my apartment and hearing a radio ad that they were hiring at Disney. And I thought, well, shoot, I could just go get a part-time job. I need to, you know, make money and, I'll just go work there until I figure out how to become an economist. (laughs) And so I went over to Disneyland and applied and they said, Oh, you live in Long Beach. Oh, you like working with people. Oh, you want to be a tour guide at the Queen Mary? And I'm like, you guys own the Queen Mary. Like that would be much more convenient. Of course I'll go do that. And so I, um, they sent me over. Maybe he, I can't remember if, he just maybe hired me there. And then um, once they hired me, I just went over and started my job at the Queen Mary as a tour guide. What did you like about being a tour guide? I liked the people we work with. I thought it was such a special group of people. And anybody who's attracted to being a tour guide tends to be outgoing and funny and quick-witted. And they were just such a great group of people. They were so fun. And they were adventurous. We would you know, sneak into areas of the Queen Mary we weren't supposed to be in and, <laughs> and you know, like parts of the engine room maybe we weren't supposed to be in. Oh, yeah. No, I remember. Uh-huh. The center smokestack or the... There's always someone who had a key. Yes. Mm-hmm. John, or <laughs> 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 there was. There was always somebody who had the master key to get us into the crow's nest or the winter yeah. smokestack. And I just love and it was a small property and it just was a special property. I just loved being on the water every day. And I loved working. I loved working in operations. I loved working with guests and trying to make people happy and trying to make people happy. We couldn't make everybody happy. You know, I think you probably liked the actual giving tours part more than I did. I wasn't as confident at that part of it. 
if I were to go back again today and do it, I think I'd probably be really good at it because I wouldn't be as um, self-conscious or nervous mm. about what I was saying. Like I've learned a lot about how to speak to groups and do it authentically versus back then I was trying to memorize the script and was so worried about right. memorizing the script versus knowing the story and just telling the story. So I gave tours, but I don't think I gave them as much as you did. I quickly went from being a tour guide to being a lead to being an assistant manager, you know, within probably six months. So, yeah. And then, so you're at the Queen Mary. As I said, we got laid off. We got millions of dollars. <laughs> I didn't get laid off. So I mean, you didn't I, get laid off. You dodged the bullet. I Yeah, I jumped before. So yeah. um, I had the opportunity to go in, um, apply for the management training program over at Disneyland. And I also applied, I think, at the Disney store. There was a couple, they were like bringing in people to allowing us to interview. But one of them was uh, to apply at the Disneyland as a management training program. And they had a new class that was coming up. And I applied to that and got accepted. So I went through the management training program, ended up getting picked up at Disneyland and loved working uh, as a manager in operations and in merchandise specifically, but I did attractions and merchandise and guest control. I never did foods, but I worked in most of the lands um, doing all of that. And I just loved it. I love the operation. I love the busyness. I love the problem solving. I loved it all. Um, I love the leadership part of it. And there's no better leadership training than working in a theme park. <laughs> there's like volumes of leadership training that you can go through. Yeah. And while I was there, that's when um, it was interesting because people started seeing things in me that I really hadn't identified yet or had the self-awareness of yet, but people saw that I could probably facilitate training. And so they'd start asking me to get trained to teach leadership seminars at Disneyland. And, and I think back and I was always like, even in college, I was always trying to get involved in like leadership type things. And I'd always go to whatever, you know, college leadership conference they had, or um, if there was a, I think we were at the Queen Mary and there was one of the other tour guides at some organization he went to, they were having a retreat and like, I helped organize it and I gave my own little session at the retreat and I just loved it. So there were clues along the way of, yeah. of how I, like developing people and I like speaking and I like training and people started to see that in me and started to, so doors started opening up to me because I would kind of gravitate towards that stuff. And so I got into human resources, did some training that only lasted so long. Cause that class was, uh, there was a limited time class. And then I um, went on to do some more human resources, um, scheduling management type stuff. And then I got married and had a kid. And so I decided to stay home with them, with him, and then had another one, have two boys. And I stayed home because I knew that I wanted to give them as much as attention as I could when they were little. But, you know, when I left working, I missed it. 
And, but I also knew that it was a good time to focus on really what I wanted to do. And I would find these little part-time jobs. You know, I got trained as a mentor for this online mentoring company. And so I would get matched with somebody like mid-level manager type person. And I would do some mentoring. And that was the first kind of coaching type work that I did. And then, um, and then I got hooked up with um, the local Dale Carnegie franchise and became a facilitator. When I say became a facilitator, it was like a, a year long, amazing process to become a facilitator, but it was the best facilitation training I could have ever gotten. And I realized how much I loved facilitating and being in front of groups and teaching and developing people. And I say facilitating, I don't like giving speeches, but I love facilitating and I love the process of, you know, authentically speaking in front of people as opposed to having to do technical training. That's not my favorite. And then after, I don't know, my boys were in school for a while, I decided to go back and got a job in leadership development um, because because of my experience, you know, in operations at Disney, because of my time at Dale Carnegie and um, the mentoring company I worked for, it was just the stars aligned in this opportunity to, it was like being a leadership consultant in the learning and development space. And as soon as I got in there, somebody saw something in me and they said, we want to have you as one of our internal executive coaches. And so I got trained as an internal executive coach. And, and then I realized how much I loved that. So I really narrowed down between coaching and facilitating are my two favorite things to do. And that's kind of how I got to where I am today. So what's your advice to someone who is looking for a job? My advice, it's always the same advice, like listen to your self-awareness, listen to the, the, the weak signals and pay attention to when you love to do something and tell people about that. So um, this is, and you'll laugh because this is like a, you know, how you manifest a job. But as soon as I got certified as an executive coach, that's how I branded myself. People would say, what do you do? I say, I'm an executive coach. And I think I had only had my, like the ones, the people that I had coached while I was training underneath my belt. But I was like, I'm a coach. I coach people. That's what I do. I'm an executive coach. And I would say that all the time to so many people that all of a sudden... <laughs> everyone, everybody started hearing like, oh, she's coaching. Maybe I can get a coach. Can I get a coach at this company? And um, so I started getting lots of calls and jobs to be, um, to help coach. I started getting more internal clients that way um, because people knew I loved it. And that's what I told people I did. And so just more jobs started coming my way to do that. And then I started helping manage the whole executive coaching process because I they realized how passionate I was about executive coaching. Right. Yeah, follow your yeah. gut. Follow your gut and be open to when a door opens, try it. When somebody says, hey, I think you'd be good at it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Just go try it and see what happens and see what other doors that opens up. Yeah, yeah. Um, where do you want to be in five years? I, where do I want to be in five years? I know I asked you this question. I should have had an answer for it. Um, I feel so much better that you don't. I know. 
But you do. You just don't. You do. <clears throat> yeah. No, I see myself um, just growing what I'm doing and helping yeah. more people, yeah. uh, coaching more people, whether it's leadership coaching, executive coaching, or helping young people um, find their what they want to do. Yeah. I'm really drawn to helping people and helping develop people specifically like you around developing relationships, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with difficult conversations. Um, yeah. All having to do with building relationships. So yeah. I think I'll, I will still be doing that. Um, but you know, it's so funny because I haven't done a lot of public speaking other than facilitating, but I do see myself doing that. I see myself right when I had decided I saw myself doing that. That's when the pandemic hit and then there was really no opportunity. So all my public speaking went online, <laughs> but I do see myself doing speaking to larger groups of people. Yeah. And, um, you know, whether it's at conferences or, I don't know. I, but again, I am open to seeing what happens in the next five years because I don't really think I, I know what else I can do. And I'm trying to be open to that and just see where my path takes me. Great answer. Thanks Patrice. Yes. Thank you. That was fun. That was fun. We'll have to revisit this. We need to do this like every six months, whether we publish it or not, it's a good check-in. <laughs> <laughs> you mean asking that question where we're going to be in five yeah. years? Yeah. Yeah. What you doing? How you doing on that? Where are you at? Yeah. If you have a few questions about being a grown up or would like to be a guest on our show, you can reach us at I have a few questions podcast on Instagram and I have a few questions podcast at Gmail. Reach us either way. We would love to hear from you and take your questions or maybe even meet you in person. And if you enjoyed listening, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write us a review. It would mean the world to us. We always love having subscribers and making new friends.